Hi, I'm Carmen LaBerge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Helping you wake up, remembering this is our Father's world. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. Well, good morning again. It's the second hour of Mornings with Carmen. If you missed the end of the first hour, then you don't yet know there is a bat, not in the belfry, but there is a bat uh, in the window, locked in the guest bedroom of my parents' house. And I am taking counsel on the text line this morning how to eradicate the bat. So thank you so much for each and every one of you that has chimed in. Uh, the the counsel of the many here is, um, is fantastic. So I have... Um, uh, I have... A message here that all I need to do is open the window because the bat will follow the draft. Now, you realize that means I'm going to have to get over there and open the window where the bat is actually, like, in that window. But okay. Um, And then I have somebody who says, send in a joker, a penguin, and a robin. They'll figure it out. Mm hmm. Yeah, that's helpful advice, Derek. Uh, Two people have um, instructed me to call animal control. Everybody is uh, in in agreement that uh, the thing has got to go as soon as possible, um, you know, and encouragements to call an exterminator. So, uh, you know, all kinds of um, uh, all kinds of good advice here. Oh, wow. And then a really long message um, about, uh, you know, bats chasing roommates down hallways and coming downstairs to find one hanging on the wall or on a light fixture. Um, Oh, in this case, Julie says, I always called my dad. Okay, well, (laughs) there you go. Okay, uh, called my dad. He would come over with his thick leather gloves and pick up the bat. Okay, so thick leather leather gloves, pick up the bat. Oh, my goodness. Um, uh, Let's see. A friend advised me to throw mothballs in every corner of the attic, more than likely where the bats were coming in. Never had a problem again after that. All right, well, there you go. There's all kinds of, oh, look at this one. Take an ice cream bucket or some kind. Now, how many of you got an ice cream bucket around? Now, this is a curiosity here. All right, take an ice cream bucket or some kind of a pail and a piece of cardboard. Oh, yeah, mm -hmm, the back of a tablet. Sneak up on it. Plunk the pail over it. This was actually my, this was my thought because I've done this uh, before with like a big spider where, you know, you cover it up with a glass and then you slide the cardboard under there and then you're, um, then it's trapped. And it says, of course, you're screaming while you're doing this. Flip it over, being careful to keep the cardboard on the top. Carry it outside. Um, flip the cardboard off and run away again while screaming. This, uh, thank you, Gay. That is fantastic. Uh, this person says, oh, always easier to call pest control. Ooh, here's one. Throw a blanket over it and then carry it outside. I have done this a few times. Yes, well, I wish you were here to do it. Ooh, tennis racket. <laughs> tennis racket. <laughs> tennis racket. Yeah, y'all, some of y'all are just naughty. Okay, there you go. Um, Keep the good ideas coming and uh, prayers ascending and go ahead and laugh out loud because... As soon as the show is over, I will be going to eradicate the bat one way or another. All right. A couple of news headlines this morning as we get rolling. Um, Dolly Parton, uh, you know, who I just love. She is uh, now going to be inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. She is in the current induction class. Now, you will recall that she declined the nomination 
a while back. Um, but you know what? People voted for her anyway. And so she is uh, she says that she feels honored that people voted for her. She appreciates the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Um, she never meant to cause any trouble or stir up controversy by uh, declining to be nominated. Um, and now she says, well, she guess she's a rock star. And so she's um, maybe going to um, get together some old rockers to help her um lay down uh, a rock and roll al- album. So wouldn't that be fun? I, I guess I'm going to say this. At the age of 76, I'm just thrilled for her. Um, she is a wonderful sister in Christ and a delightful human being. Um, and nothing would make me happier than to uh, see her uh, get a fresh wind in her in her sails and do something new um, because I just I find her utterly delightful. So there you go. Hats off this week to Dolly Parton. We're going to cover some other media headlines next with Paul Acey from Focus on the Families plugged in. Paul AC is back with Focus on the Families plugged in. Good morning, Paul. Good morning, Carmen. I'm sorry to hear about your bat problem. Yeah. Have you ever had a bat in your house? And if so, what did you do? Oh, my goodness. I have got a great bat story for you. Not not actually inside the house, but outside the house. We were painting a we were painting this cabin and, uh, you know, cabins have all these little cracks and crannies in them just painting away. As I was painting, this bat flew straight out of one of them, got really confused, started flapping around my neck. It hit my neck, and it couldn't figure out a way to get around. So it, I, it was really freaky. I mean, did you I'm fall sure. off the ladder? Like I'm thinking, oh I'm thinking, I'm, I'm thinking. I there's paint now everywhere, slung in every direction, and you're flat on your back on the ground. Like I, I. I mean, these people who are suggesting, oh, yeah, you know, just pull up the window shade and put a towel over it and grab it with your hand. I'm like, who are you people? Who's doing this? Nobody's doing this. Well, I, anyway, I do have the, I uh, the, most recent, the most recent suggestion is surely there's a nice man who lives nearby. I'm going to just start calling the neighbors. <laughs> <laughs> this is my big plan. Oh, oh, man. Just be hopeful that it's not a vampire bat because if it is, then who knows? You could, you could be a vampire next door when we talk. I, I am telling you, I, I, it was, I'm sure it would have been a sight to behold because I felt kind of like trapped in the room and I kept putting the blanket back over my head every time it would like, you know, circle. It was circling and it was very confused. And I'm thinking, just go out the way you came, whatever way you came in, like go back out that way. And oh my goodness. Okay. Uh, movie oh, reviews. Man. Let's talk about Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. This is a huge movie. This is going to make gazillions of dollars, I'm sure. Uh, It's the start of the traditional summer movie season. So you know that Marvel and Disney are thinking that this is going to just make a ton 
owe money. Uh, but I don't think that I'll be going back a second time to see it. I'll tell you that much. It is a very, very strange movie, as you might have guessed from the title. Uh, Doctor Strange is dealing with, uh, obviously, this huge multiverse, a multitude of universes, uh, parallel universes. There are multiple Doctor Stranges in these universes. And the Doctor Strange that we know is trying to save this teen girl named America Chavez. Uh, America has is completely unique in the entire multiverse in that she can actually leap from universe to universe. The only problem is she doesn't really know how to control these powers. Uh, still, a lot of unsavory elements would like to have this ability for themselves, so it's up to Doctor Strange to sort of help her through that. Um, unfortunately, uh, America has dealt with Doctor Strange before in other universes, and he's not always so nice. Sometimes he wants the power for himself. So whenever you're dealing with Doctor Strange, obviously you're dealing with magic. Uh, Scarlet Witch, Wanda from WandaVision, if you remember, uh, she is also in this. She plays a really important role, and she casts magic as well. Um, I know that, that Marvel movies have often had elements of magic in them, uh, but for families that are really cautious about those elements, this one deserves a definitely an, an exclamation point and an underline. It feels more occult than we've ever seen in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And it's a dark, dark movie. Uh, Sam Raimi directs it, and he got his start in horror movies. Uh, and you, he brings a lot of that sensibility in this film. I was actually a little surprised that it squeaked through with a PG-13 rating. Um, so you have a lot of elements that I think might give parents a little more pause than they typically would for an, a normal Marvel movie. Okay, we're going to have to return briefly, Paul, um, to the Bat Report. Um, Rose, <laughs> Rosella has chimed in. Now, as I read this, I just want you to just consider for a moment who Rosella thinks I am, because she apparently thinks that handy with me this morning, visiting my parents, I have a badminton racket and later <laughs> on a pair of motorcycle leathers. Like she's convinced that I, I, I have these things and that I can use them in the eradication of the bat. I, who, Rosella, who do you think I am? Like, your imagination related to me is incredible. All right. Um, we're going to talk more about what's happening <clears throat> in the imaginary world in just a moment. Paul Acey <laughs> is here from Focus on the Families Plugged In. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge, and this is Faith Radio. I'm gonna be All right, we're talking with Paul Acey from Focus on the Family's Plugged In. I want you to check out the movie reviews at Plugged In. You'll see a review there of the movie Survivor. Um, Paul, let's um, let's briefly talk about the No Vacancy movie because I know it's a new faith-based film. Yeah, yeah, I, I, it, it is a very nice faith-based film, actually. It's, uh, it's going to be released in theaters across the country on May 9th. Uh, which is sort of an unusual day, but it's a Fathom event, uh, and and it's essentially the the true story of this uh, this church down in Florida that wanted to buy a motel and use it as a homeless shelter. Um, now it was right during the heart of the Great Recession, 
and, and obviously homelessness was a huge problem everywhere, but especially down where we're talking about. Uh, the only problem is it hit the church as well. And so the church really didn't have enough money to buy this motel. And even if they did, there was some question whether anybody would let them do what they wanted to with it. Uh, but it's a really inspiring story about how everything t- came together, how a, a cynical news reporter, a former crack addict, uh, and this pastor sort of came together to make this happen with, of course, uh, you know, it's uh, it all comes back to God, as the pastor, I'm sure, would say. But uh, but it really is sort of a miraculous, inspiring story uh, that has a lot of meat to it. All right. So you guys should check that out. No vacancy dot com. Um, you guys have uh, a couple of um, recommended um conversation starters um, that are abortion related. You want to tee up one for pro-life and one that's pro-abortion? <laughs> Boy, that's a that's a heavy, heavy thought. Um, yeah, you know, one thing that I, I know that, uh, that there's a new movie coming out called The Matter of Life. It's a fascinating, mm-hmm. fascinating documentary uh, that deals with abortion in a slightly different way than perhaps we've seen it before. Uh, it, uh, it, it sort of deals with the entire issue uh, philosophically. It, it talks about if this is a human, what does this mean? Uh, and, and it talks with a whole bunch of activists from the pro-life side, some former pro-choice activists who've moved to the pro-life side. It, it talks about this issue from a myriad of different ways. Uh, and, it, and it unpacks it, a nice philosophical uh, argument, essentially, for for why it just makes sense, not only from a spiritual sense, but from a, from a secular sense about why you know, protecting the unborn is an important thing. Um, so I thought that that was a very, very compelling movie. Another one that uh, that if you're more of a pro-choice person, I think that that you're seeing quite a few uh, movies out there. But I think there's there's a new one out called The Happening. Uh, which we have not seen, but sort of deals with uh, with that issue of abortion. It's a French drama uh, that is going to be, I'm sure, uh, uh, talked about in many, many circles. And I think we're going to be seeing, obviously, with the with the headlines in the news today, we're going to be seeing a lot more abortion-themed discussions, a lot more abortion-themed stories. Uh, we see that 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 I think that this issue is going to again, sort of jump to the forefront in a lot of people's thoughts. All right. So um, you guys can check out The Matter of Life at thematteroflife.org. That is the pro-life film that we're uh, encouraging you to consider. Um, Paul, you have written an entire book on walking with Christ in the darkness of depression. Uh, It's entitled Beauty in the Browns. So I'm thinking that as we reflect on the death of uh, Naomi Judd and the reality of mental health, um, you might have some thoughts to share. You know, I do. Almost way too many. Obviously, the passing of Naomi Judd was was truly a tragedy. We we don't know exactly how she died, but but her family has mentioned that it was part of mental illness and a, a struggle that she had been incredibly honest about over the last few years. She's dealt with with a great deal of anxiety and depression. She wrote about it, um, but the fact that 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 she wrote about it adds, I think, a certain sense of poignancy to this. And it reminds us that mental illness for a lot of people 
just never goes away. I mean, I think that 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 for for Naomi, it was it was a chronic issue that uh, that she dealt with for much of her life. And even as she came out of the woods uh, from it in, in one season, um, it's always sort of it can lurk in the background. In in my book, I sort of compare it to a monster. I don't know, you know, being a movie guy, uh, I always think about these horror movies, the monster in the closet, and that's sort of uh, that's sort of what I I think of depression as. Sometimes you can lock it away, uh, but it's still tapping at the closet door. Um, it's something that you're you don't necessarily ever escape. Uh, a lot of people may have a may have a time, a season of depression, and they come out of it just fine, and they never experience it again. But for for a lot of people, it becomes more of a chronic condition, and it's something that you have to be ever vigilant for. Um, and if there are listeners out there that are dealing with depression, you know, I'd encourage you to get help, to talk with friends, talk with family about it, be open about your struggles, because depression is inherently an isolating condition. Um, and as you go through your own life, um, concentrate on the things that you have to be thankful for, the things to be grateful for. Um, that can be a really, really hard thing to do when you're in the teeth of depression because you just don't feel that. You just don't feel like like engaging in, in the world like that. And sometimes it just seems impossible to do. Uh, so I, I understand that. But but. If you can, turn your thoughts and, and just remind yourself about all the many gifts that God has given you. One thing that I try to do actually every morning is I try to think about three things that I'm grateful for this day. And for me, it helps keep me on a little bit more of an even keel. I'm, 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 I find that that really does help me as I go through the struggles of every day. Paul Acey's book is Beauty in the Browns, Walking with Christ in the Darkness of Depression. Um, and in it, you'll find real encouragement to fight the good fight and keep the faith. It'll also um, help you understand what um, your loved ones are going through uh, if they are the ones who are suffering with depression uh, and you are seeking to walk with them. So uh, I can't uh, recommend Beauty in the Browns highly enough. Um, Paul, when you think about the things that you're grateful for today, um, as we approach Mother's Day weekend, wonder if you just want to give a shout out to your mom. Absolutely. My mom, actually, my mom is getting a little bit older. So we've, uh, we've all sort of moved into a house together. I'm so grateful for her. Uh, she has been a tremendous influence in my life and probably one of the reasons why I'm, I'm actually talking with you here today. Well, obviously, a big reason, right? But for a lot of other reasons as well, besides the obvious. So um, moms, you do great work and you're not appreciated enough. I think every day should be mom's day. So, um, Paul, when you were on uh, the show and we talked about Beauty and the Browns, we gave away copies um, Victoria just texted in and she said, um, when you gave away this book, I'm one of the people who received a complimentary copy. It is a great book um, as family and friends struggle and as someone um, who teeters on the edge. So thank you so much for sharing it. So there you go. Um, Victoria, uh -huh. thank you for sharing. Paul, thank you for sharing. Thanks for being with us today. Again, I'm going to recommend Paul Acey's book, Beauty in the Browns. 
walking with Christ in the darkness of depression as we all, you know, consider the challenges that we and those we love face in these days. Paul, as always, thank you so much. Thank you. And thank you, Victoria. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge. We'll be right back. All right, again, thank you so much for all of your um, encouraging input um, on the text line related to my there's a bat in the bedroom uh, issue of the day. If you have more to say on that, the number is 877-933-2484. Love your stories. I love how many of you have dealt with this, are dealing with this. Um, and all the screaming and freaking out that um, that others do. That makes me feel like I am in really good company. So um, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. All right, next up, we've got Colin Hansen from the Gospel Coalition. I don't know about you, but um, I, I, and I know this is going to be hard for you to imagine, I find myself sitting quietly um, when other people are, talking in very spirited ways about their opinions about some things, because I'm trying to figure out how in good faith I can have a conversation with them when we so vehemently disagree. And I don't want to, um, well, I don't want to be uh, misunderstood or misrepresented, but I also know that, you know, God wants his viewpoint made clear And sometimes it's just very, very challenging. So um, we're all experiencing that. Colin Hansen uh, and the Gospel Coalition are now engaged in something called Good Faith Debates. The series premiered um, just a couple of days ago on May the 4th. So we thought it would be fun to talk with Colin about this series, the Good Faith Debate video series. It's free. You can access it online. Um, The topics being uh, discussed, gun control woke church, the pro-life movement, racial injustice, and the evangelical label. We're going to talk next with Colin Hansen. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. We'll be right back. Colin Hansen is joining us now from the Gospel Coalition. You can um, you can find what we're talking about today at thegospelcoalition.org. Colin, welcome back to Mornings with Carmen. Oh, I'm so glad to be here again, Carmen. Thanks for having me. So um, you don't know this yet, but there is a controversy afoot this morning related to if you've ever had a bat or an experience with a bat, do you know the best way to get it out of a house? <laughs> I guess not the way Dwight Schrute does in the office. I think that's about all I know about this. Don't put a garbage bag over the other person's head and drag them out with the bat inside. That's all I know. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, more on this later today. Um, Colin, you guys at the Gospel Coalition, you know, just recognize the challenge that we're facing in the culture today. There are so many things that we need to be able to talk about. We disagree 
um, on on issues that are important but not salvific. How do we, in good faith, start talking with one another about things um, upon which we disagree? Yeah, I mean, I I think probably everybody here can relate to this in their own lives, their personal lives, their their churches. Um, the bottom line, Carmen, is that there are just a lot of people out there who don't want us to agree well or dis- disagree well on things. Um, there, there, there's cable news networks. There's uh, talk radio programs that are not nearly as thoughtful and reflective as yours is. There are obvious all sorts of algorithms out there that are designed to, to divide us and to, and to tear us apart on these things. That's, a, that's the business model. That's not a coincidence. It's a business model. When YouTube feeds you up that next video talking about how terrible everything is, that's a business model thing there. But of course, there's a real problem for the church where we're called to a steadfast unity on those you know, core aspects of the gospel and the authority of God's word in all things. But there are plenty of things of wisdom in this life that it, the Bible doesn't tell us exactly what to do. And that is where so often the world's wisdom um, comes in and sows discord in our churches, in our lives, confusion. We don't know what to think about these things. And that's often where we're most exploited by people who try to say, no, 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 this thing over here, that's the most important thing. And you can't disagree with anybody on that. And if you, and if you do disagree with them, you have to separate from them. You have to disassociate with them because they're terrible, dangerous people. That's the problem that we see and we're trying to address to the Gospel Coalition. All right. So talk with us about the effort to address this through um, this good faith debate video series, um, which you just launched a couple of nights ago. And the topic of the first event um, was gun control. So talk about the series, um, good faith debates, and then maybe give us a little bit of a window into what the first experience was like. Yeah, so this is an idea that came uh, came to me came to me last year when I was sitting there. And, and by the way, this is something that just happened la- last week. Somebody came to me and said, "I don't want to work with you guys anymore. I can't stand you. I got a lot of problems with you." And I said, "Well, that's interesting because somebody else just got off the phone and said the same thing about working with you." <laughs> and it's just there's a sense in which people are have have the like worst assumptions about each other that they, they, they don't, they, they believe these lies that people share about them. And I, this happened in my own church from a leader in my church who came accusing me of all kinds of different things. And I thought, we got to go to the source of where these, these, this discord is happening, especially on YouTube where people are watching and watching and watching and watching and it's it's leading to all sorts of lies being spread, and it's 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 not it's not giving a good perspective on a, on the opposite position on something, and as a result, it's making everything just leading to all this discord. So the thought was, what if we didn't do it cable news style, but what if we had a full or presidential debate style? But what if we had a full hour for each topic, just focused on that topic with two Christians? who are focused on the gospel of Jesus Christ, but disagree on another issue. So the issue that we brought up in this particular case, number one, leading off, is on gun control. Now, what's interesting here is that people, I'm sure people listening right now, have extremely strong views on gun control. 
and especially in the United States, a lot of people have strong views in, you know, against it. Well, there are Christians around the world who are very sincere and deep in their faith who have the opposite view. And I don't think we can really say the Bible tells us exactly what to think about that. But we did bring two, um, two pastors together, one from Nebraska, one from London, England, to debate what should we do about gun control today, according to the Bible. And it's pretty interesting, both of them using scriptural principles to argue. And I think what you see in that debate, when people tune in, find it on YouTube, find it through the gospelcoalition.org, is that you may agree strongly with one view or another, but the Bible needs to be ruling what we believe. And it's got some principles that aren't exactly clear to map onto our sort of American political dynamic. I think the conversation about biblical principles is really helpful. Like, right? Um, we're not talking about proof texting. We're talking about um, uh, seeking to understand what the scope of Scripture says on a particular topic, and then being willing, being willing to integrate that into my life as a as a Christian. Um, that's hard. That's looking at scripture in a way that may be different, may be new for some people. Um, and it's also, I think, helpful in our cultural conversations today as Christians to be able to step back and say, look, you know, as brothers and sisters in Christ, we, um, we're going to both acknowledge that the pursuit of the truth is more important to us than defending uh, the ground upon which we currently stand, whatever that is, and that my role and responsibility in life is not con to convince you of my particular opinion or viewpoint on an issue like gun control. Like together, we are seeking to advance the gospel in this generation. Um, together, we're seeking to be ambassadors of the king and the kingdom. Uh, and so if if the biblical principles lead to differing views on some contemporary issues, yeah we as mutual believers in Christ can can part ways as uh, as friends who disagree on a topic. Is, I mean, is, is that what you're going for yeah. here? Yeah, that's a great way to put it. And gun control is such a, a good example of, of how this works out. I think, Carmen, a good way for listeners to be thinking about the Bible, biblical principles and how we apply them today is that you want to be following teachers who help you to understand that the Bible is both clear and also sometimes confusing. If you're following a teacher who tells you that the Bible is always clear on every issue, probably that's a problem. If somebody tells you the Bible is always confusing on certain issues or on, on, on everything, that's a problem as well. Gun control is a good example where on the one side we come and we say, hmm, pretty clear principles of self-defense that seems to be loving your neighbor. Okay, a gun helps me to love my neighbor in self-defense. Okay. But at the same time, it comes in and you look and say, huh, well, the Bible says a lot about not killing, um, you know, turning the other cheek. How am I supposed to reconcile these things? Well, Christians have been trying to debate that for a couple thousand years. We're probably going to continue to debate it until Christ comes home, uh, we bring, you know, comes, comes back here, uh, makes this the new heavens and the new earth. And in the meantime, we've got to learn how to, to come to our own conclusions from the Bible and also how to respect Christians who disagree with us on that and some other topics. We're talking with Colin Hansen from the Gospel Coalition. This is just a wide open invitation to consider gathering some friends to um, watch.
together these videos uh, that are being posted. You can find them at thegospelcoalition.org. You can also go to the Gospel Coalition's featured videos on YouTube. Um, The first one is up. It is on gun control, but in upcoming weeks, they're going to be talking about woke church, the pro-life movement, racial injustice, and the evangelical label. More with Colin Hansen from the Gospel Coalition here on Mornings with Carmen in just a moment. It's like a prize, sunrise, waiting on the other side of the darkest night. Don't ever lose hope, hold on and believe. Maybe you just haven't seen it, just haven't seen it yet. So we're continuing our conversation with Colin Hansen from the Gospel Coalition. We are teeing up. A conversation about TGC's Good Faith Debates. They premiered on May the 4th. The first is available for you to watch as a video at thegospelcoalition.org or on the Gospel Coalition's featured videos on YouTube. Encourage you to gather some friends to watch them together and start your own discussion. Thanks for those of you chiming in on our text line at 877-933-2484. Um, I will make this observation to the person who texted in. uh, This was the text. The Bible talks about murder, not killing. So, Colin, here was my reply. Well, it talks about both murder and killing. Just war theory is a part of that discussion. There are passages in Leviticus that talk about accidental killing as well. Ultimately, I think it's a discussion about the value of human life, who has authority over life and death, and the complicated relationship we have with guns. So, Yeah, I mean, so you are provoking us to just start in and just lean in and lean toward one another in the conversation as opposed to leaning away from one another um, in these days. Well, the most the most amazing thing I could imagine happening from these debates is having somebody like in this situation begin to learn about all the different ways Christians have approached the question of government and so how mm. of how so many people in the early church didn't believe there was a lot of them did not believe that you could be a soldier or could be sort of a secure you know police officer equivalent of the time or how that then of course began to change over time and you had things like just war theory emerge in the Roman Empire after it christianizes under and and then with through theologians such as Augustine then you go all the way through, and then this becomes a this becomes a debate in the Reformation again. I mean, it's always a debate, but then you have questions of to Martin Luther: Can you be a soldier again? Can you take up arms? Not, I mean, murder was not a question. The the texture is exactly right. Murder was not was never a question. But even the right to even bearing arms in any way, Luther concludes: Yes, you can. But many of the Anabaptists of that period, they conclude no. And so you're going to see that if, 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 if people will learn a little bit of that, that history, they'll start to understand that you can have strong views about it. You can take a side on that. There are good biblical arguments that will support you in that. You'll see that in the debate. But you'll probably understand just how kind of not obvious this has been for people who are trying to wrestle seriously with Jesus's own words, which were pretty radical uh, when it came to how to approach other people, um, who even who threaten you. And obviously we have the example of Jesus himself submitting and telling Peter to put down that sword. Now, again, I'm, I'm happy to concede. And I, I mean, I'm probably more on the right to bear arms side of this discussion, 
But, um, you know, on Bob Thune's uh, position in the debates that we feature on here. But, uh, but again, I can understand where Andrew Wilson and other people are coming from on that. And, yes, there are some sort of narrower salvific components to that that are not reasoned out to every other situation. And I will I'll also say this. I'm glad there are people in my church who do bear arms to protect us in the possibility that somebody might storm into our church and begin to take innocent life, which, of course, is a situation we've seen in churches. So a lot of random scattered thoughts there, Carmen. No, but I think that's how we have to approach the conversation. It seems like a lot of random scattered thoughts. And yet, um, you know, I have a, a stepson who who served in what I consider valiantly in, uh, as a U.S. Marine. Um, I am thankful for our men and women in uniform, um, both here in the United States and around the world. And then I also recognize that I live in the context of a cultural conversation where people are actually considering um, taking up arms against one another or taking up arms and going to the southern border. And I think that as Christians, right. yeah. we we have to have like real honest conversations about um, all of those things. And, you know, what is the role of government and who, uh, you know, in whose hands are weapons rightly um, used as Christians? And so I, I think it's really helpful. It is complex. It is nuanced. Um, and you surface, you know, all of the important points in the conversation. And so that's really helpful. I mean, I have friends who are pacifists. And so having this conversation with them um, is interesting as well, since, you know, I'm I'm in a family like yours that, um, you know, feels like gun ownership in America is an OK thing for Christians. Right. So. Um, so there you go. Um, let's talk a little bit about the upcoming topics. Sure. What might people encounter on May the 11th in the conversation about woke church? Yeah, so love that conversation when we recorded it live at Museum of the Bible in Washington, D.C. just uh, just last month, or actually uh, end of March. Uh, a couple uh, a couple folks I think people will be familiar with. One is Sean DeMars. Sean is a pastor here in Decatur, Alabama. Uh, Sean is a... Um, he was featured in the American Gospel documentary. So a lot of people are going to be familiar with him through that. That was just a huge sensation talking about the prosperity gospel. And he brings perspective of concern about areas where sort of woke ideology, as he describes it, of kind of this awareness of racial injustice in this country's history and present day. He's going to bring concern about how that is, is infiltrating our church in ways that we might not even realize. Rebecca McLaughlin. Uh, people know her as a longtime contributor to the Gospel Coalition, author of books like The Secular Creed that have been hugely helpful. She's going to expose a lot of the complicity of the church in different aspects of this nation's very sorry history when it comes to racism. And she's going to help to illustrate of how if we don't, if we don't attack that racism that still pervades aspects of our country today, then there's really no reason for people to take us seriously on a host of other issues, especially as those issues are tied to questions of sexuality, things like transgender ideology, homosexuality, things like that. Same thing she does really in her book, The Secular Creed. So you're going to see some pointed disagreement with them. There's no doubt about that. And so the question is, you know, which, I mean, really the debate comes down to which should we be more concerned with now, you got to remember, there's a possibility here that you could be concerned with both. 
Um, but that's what makes the debate interesting is people taking up their thesis and defending it and allowing people and pushing back on each other. And, and uh, Rebecca's a, I mean, Rebecca's a Cambridge trained <laughs> academic who also had chosen to memorize her entire monologue. So I give, I give uh, Sean quite a bit of credit for stepping up to the plate on that one. He acquits himself well, but it was uh, not, an easy, not an easy challenge for him. Um, all right. I just had to look something up. Sometimes we get questions um, uh, on the text line that, that go beyond my the scope of what I've been paying attention to. So we have a friend <laughs> here who says, my brother has become a conditionalist. Um, oh. It's creating a division in our family. How do we, uh, you know, how, how, how to stand down? I don't know if it's uh, how to stand down in the conversation or how to recognize that there's a person who has now embraced a theological idea that is... Um, really, really challenging. So I Googled it because I'll just admit to you, I wasn't read in on conditionalism. Um, it's this concept, apparently, in which um, God alone is immortal. And so uh, we, we, I guess, are not. Um, that may be a, a, a gross reduction of, um, uh, of the idea. But I do think that it, it surfaces a good conversation, Colin. What what if the issue, what if the wedge yeah. is a theological one? Yeah. What what if our difference is um I believe in, you know, the freedom of the human will and that um right. you know, and that someone else is truly reformed and believes right. that um, you know, God is the one ultimately that makes that decision right. for us. Well, I think all of these have theological underpinnings. I don't really think I mean, it's pretty fascinating for me to watch all of the all of the debating about about uh, recent abortion uh, leak and things like that, and people arguing. I saw one example of this with Kirsten Powers on Twitter saying, "Keep your theology off my body." Kind of that attitude, thinking, mm. <laughs> "Who exactly is answering any questions about life and death without theology? Mm-hmm. It's all theology." And it's not some sort of narrow, irrelevant subset. It's, I mean, I got to defend the philosophers out there as well. Everything's philosophy out there. Nobody's answering the question. I mean, if we're answering the question about life biologically, well, then I think that's pretty darn clear where that's taking us. But we all have theological underpinnings. So I would say all of these debates are that way. The only thing I'll kind of add to, to offer a little bit of clarity here is that I'm not doing, we're not doing anything in these debates to reopen settled theological debates. First of all, we're coming from a specific theological tradition, the Reformed tradition, which means that we're not debating things that we agree on theologically within the Gospel Coalition. We're not going to be debating whether or not the the atonement is is penal or substitutionary. Now, we agree on that. We're not going to be debating biblical inerrancy. We agree on that. We think that's important. I think more importantly than that, we're not debating things like Arianism. If there was a time when Christ was not, he was created by the Father. We're not debating that. The early church settled that question for us. We don't have to revisit that one in there. So the thing you got to be careful about with theology debates is that you're not wanting to reopen questions that the church in God's good guidance has settled not only through his word, but also through those early ecumenical councils. 
So helpful. So helpful. All right, Colin, um, thank you as always for joining us. Um, that's, that's all we've got time for today <laughs> on Mornings with Carmen. Um, thank you so much for each and every one of you that, uh, that has texted in your good ideas related to my bat problem. Um, happy Mother's Day to those of you who are mothers. A shout out to all of the women who have shepherded us in the faith, our godmothers along the way. Um, be sure that you reach out um, this weekend and say thank you. And, uh, and on behalf of, um, of all the moms and stepmoms out there, um, thank you. Thank you for the ways in which you have shepherded our hearts. You have discipled us so well. Um, and, you know, when I think about um, the ways in which our moms are integral to who we have become as people, Um, You know, Mother's Day seems a good opportunity to simply say thank you to God for them. All right. Have a great weekend and God bless. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.